It's fine. That's the ongoing joke inside of Jen Orr's circle, but in this episode, there's no joke about what Jen has been able to accomplish in just a few short years of becoming an ultra cyclist, a transition from her previous life as a competitive triathlete. Notably, Jen has recently set eight WUKA world records in her 24-hour record attempt in Borrego Springs, California, grabbing the distance records of 100, 200, 300, and 500 kilometers, as well as the 100, 200, and 300 mile records, and also the six-hour timed record. Last year, Jen won first place overall in the race across the West, and in 2018, she won first place in the women's category at the World Time Trial Championships, also in Borrego Springs. Her RAM qualifier was at the 24-hour Worlds back in 2017, and in a short amount of time, Jen has also acquired a lot of experience through racing over 20 double centuries in California and crewing for Shauna Hogan's 2018 RAM. I can't wait to follow her RAM journey in 2021. I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey, Ultra Family, Justin Tu here, your host of the Ultra Cycling Show. Thanks for tuning in for a very special episode today with Jen Orr, a new world record holder, and also a very accomplished ultra cyclist. She has won overall the race across the West, and that was in 2019. She's also crewed for Shauna Hogan in the race across America, so she has a lot of experience and knowledge. And out here in California, she has completed over 20 double centuries in the California Triple Crown Series. So Jen, really a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I'd imagine you are mostly recovered from your 24-hour record attempt in Borrego Springs? Yeah, I think mostly. I've been con you know, ramping back up the training a little bit. I, I did the uh, virtual 24 six-track uh, race over the weekend. I didn't hit it too hard, but uh, you know, that, it was basically an indoor century, and I'm already a little – that, that kind of took a bit out of me after – you felt that I was still recovering. And then I'm uh, doing the virtual world time trial championships, uh, 12 hour in two weeks. So, wow, all right. Keeping very, very busy. Yeah. <laughs> and I can imagine you're training quite a bit also. And it's great to hear not only that you're able to do all these um, events of your own, including the world records through such a challenging year where perhaps many cyclists have a lot, lower mileage totals. I love all these photos that you sent and we do also have others that I've found on Facebook. You have a great media team and your crew, of course, some of whom are depicted here. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to discuss what you've been up to in the ultra cycling world. And I know there's still a nice long road ahead of you, but it will be nice to settle on and just discuss the accomplishments that you have achieved already in, I'd imagine, a short amount of time. You've really become quite the cyclist, and I know a lot of people are following your journey. Now, before we get into that and more, Jen, I'd love to start with a quick sprint round of questions. It's just a short set of questions to get to know you in a fun way. You could answer in a few sentences. Okay. First question, of course, is how long have you even been riding bicycles? 
I started riding uh, bikes, ser- you know, more s- seriously as a, when I took up triathlon in mm. 2010. I had I'd been running for a few years and kind of was getting burned out on that and took up triathlon mm. and cycling and kind of realized that that was my strongest. I was really strong at cycling better than, you know, swimming or, or running and hmm. um, still continue with triathlon for several years. But in the, in the last few years, I focus more on just the cycling. Oh, that's awesome. Well, glad to have you dedicated in the sport. Obviously, you've been doing a lot since then. Mm-hmm. So what year would you say you started ultra cycling and perhaps what was your first event? I w- guess I would consider my first ultra cycling uh, started in 2016 when I first did my, when I did my first double century, um, which was a Camino Real. Um, and then oh, in, yeah. uh, 2017 was my first, uh, you know, I, I guess true, I, I, it depend on what you consider ultra cycling, but in 2017, I entered my first 24 hour time trial, um, and qualified for, for solo Ram. And, uh, that's kind of been the, the last three years has been where I've really focused on the ultra cycling. Well, great job, Jen. Amazing. How many bicycles do you own, Jen? Um, I use, I have three bikes that I primarily use. Um, and that, which, um, I've got my, my time trial bike, which is a speed concept that I use in Brago Springs, uh, and two Cannondales, the system six and the synapse. Um, those are kind of my primary bikes. And uh, I've got a few others that I haven't ridden in over a year that I probably just need to sell to make room for, make room and a little cash for, for to kind of get bike, more bikes that I can actually use. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a nice collection yeah. you have so far. Wh- which do you ride the most? Well, lately it's been um, the, the speed concept most. Uh, just depends on what I'm doing for training, but most of my time, the last few months focusing on, uh, the time trial or world world record was the, the Cannondale system six and the time trial bike. I was kind of actually split between the two of them. Um, I, you know, both of them are almost equally fast on the flats. So I was kind of riding time, plenty of time on both. And it wasn't until the last couple of weeks that I settled on the, the time trial bike. Oh, that's interesting. Well, great to hear. Mm-hmm. Now, which bicycle computer do you use? A Garmin or Wahoo? I have a Garmin uh, 830, I believe. All right, cool. And what size tire do you, do you use? What's your preferred tire pressure? I use a 25 millimeter tire and I usually run, uh, especially lately when I was on the rougher roads in Borrego Springs, um, around 85 on the front and around 90 or so on the back mm, rear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and roads out there aren't the greatest. And that's something important for folks to know. It's not like yeah. you're on some nice slick tarmac mm-hmm. and just having a ball out there. And I can imagine even on the time trial bikes, that made it a little worse <laughs> with the stiffness. Yeah, a little bit. Now, I'd imagine you probably train with uh, power or heart rate at least. Most primarily power, and um, I kind of keep an eye on the heart rate. Make sure, depending on the con- you know, if it gets hotter, uh, warmer, I have to, you know, the heart rate starts increasing, and I have to dial it back a little bit. But yeah, primarily power. Have you ever taken a functional threshold power test? 
Yep. Do you know what, what, what your numbers are? Uh, it kind of depends on the, the bike and the power meter, but, um, for my, my time trial bike, it was, uh, we were working with a FTP of 238. Um, cool. and I think I'm actually going to be doing one on my road bike this week, uh, probably on the trainer though. And last time I did one on that bike, it was 275. Wow. That's really awesome. So definitely a cyclist that takes things seriously. It's mm -hmm. great to hear. Now, on a less serious subject, well, perhaps it is a very serious one, in fact, what's your favorite ride snack? Uh, I, I try to keep my, my, the stuff I'd take in on the rides pretty low sugar. You know, I, I would love to, it, it's actually hard when I'm out for training rides and have to walk into the mini marts and uh, look at all the, mm. the fun snacks that other, everyone else is eating. But um <laughs> Um, I like, I, I, I do as far as eating and, you know, I try to do a lot of not too much solid food, but when I do, I've been using a lot of, uh, boiled potatoes lately. Mm, um, yummy. yeah. Occasional like beef jerky. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So do you carry a salt shaker with you or what, what do you have on? The not table? usually, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of salt them before yeah. it was kind of nice. The training that I was doing and during the ride itself, I, you know, I was training on the course. So I was just doing loops and I could just stop mm. at my car and have everything, you know, kind of sitting in the car and, and crew crew for myself out of the car and nice. not to carry all of that. So, yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Okay. After a big effort, like the record attempt that you had and the records that you did set, well, what's your favorite post-ride meal? What do you like eating or you look forward to eating at some point when you can stomach food? Um, yeah. After the big, big rides, uh, I, it takes a while before I can take much food in. Um, when I do, uh, again, I still try not to go, you know, straight into let's just eat whatever I want. Hmm. Um, but try to stay, you know, I, I try to be pretty good with my nutrition. So, um, depends on the time of day it is, but like yesterday I went for a, a just kind of a, not a long ride, but it did, did a ride with some friends and we had tacos afterwards. Hmm. Oh, all right. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah. Very cool. And of course, we're in California and you're in Southern California. So a lot of uh -huh. great yep. Mexican food there. <laughs> now, in terms of terrain, what do you prefer riding? The climbs, the descents, rollers, or the flats? Um, I like all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love descending. Um, that's kind of my wheelhouse and as well as the flats, that's why I do well with the, the mm. flat time trials. Um, those are kind of the, those are kind of my strength. I, I do like enjoy climbing. We have a lot of great climbs here, uh, in Southern California. Um, yeah. it, it's been a while since I've done any of them because I've been focusing on the, the flat stuff, but you mm. know, yeah, I do enjoy going out and climbing some of the mountains out here. Wow, very versatile rider and makes sense why you were able to do so well at the race across the West. And of mm -hmm. course, now with your records, well done. Now, you said you enjoy going downhill and descending. Do you know what your max speed has ever been? Um, somewhere just above 50. I'm not, I, I wouldn't, couldn't tell you the exact number, but uh, yeah. yeah, I know, I know I've hit fast. 50 maybe a few times. That's if it's which, yeah, I don't, I don't try to, usually I'm not looking down at my speed at that point. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. Okay. When do you enjoy riding the most? I mean, in SoCal, it's almost like just one yeah. season year round, but fall, winter, spring, or summertime. 
probably like early to late, actually late to late spring, early summer, kind of mm. May, June when, you know, the days that it's, I hate the cold. So I, I like mm. kind of the just, and I, I don't, I can deal with the heat um, fairly well. I'd, I'd much rather be out on a nice sunny day, you know, in the seventies, eighties uh, where I don't have to bundle up early in the morning, uh, like in these months right now. Um, so yeah, I would say late spring, early summer is when that tends to be. Mm. Yeah, popular choice. How about time of day that you prefer training? I usually mostly train in the morning. Um, that seems to be when I feel feel my strongest. Um, I work full time, so trying to get out after work um, is I'm usually too too tired at the end of the day to to want to really mm. go out and do much, but. But yeah, I do. I think morning is when I feel feel my best. Mm. Yeah, very true. We have to take that into consideration. And as somebody that does work full time, it just goes to show what is possible. Mm -hmm. You don't have to quit your job and retire and become a full time cyclist to do great things. And it would make it easier. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yes, most definitely. Okay, Jen. Do you think ultra cycling requires more physical or mental training and fortitude? I think as, as the distances get longer, it's the mental part is, uh, is much bigger. It becomes a much bigger, bigger aspect. Yeah. It Mm. obviously you do have to have a very strong physical base Mm. to be able to, to do a, a 24 hour ride or to ride across the country or a third of the way across the country. But yeah, the mental, you definitely have to have a lot of mental fortitude to both put in the training miles and to, to stick it out when it, it gets rough on those, those longer races. Mm. Yeah. Well said. I like that answer. It really isn't just a linear progression. As you said, as the miles increase, it definitely becomes more difficult mentally. So very mm-hmm. true. Of course you have that experience having ridden the race across the West and in two days, 20 hours and some change, which is incredibly fast, but also a long time to be on the bike and battling those conditions, both weather and also road conditions and others. Now, you've ridden quite a lot of uh, different events uh, and a variety of them from time trials to these multi-day events to even the single day double centuries. I'm wondering, what is your favorite event? Uh, A specific event or... uh just our distance or yeah a specific event has there been one that it has really stood out to you perhaps it's the race across the west or perhaps something else uh yeah it's tough to say but um i i mean the the race i keep going back to is uh the borrego springs 24-hour time trial that's kind of been a Mm. a favorite of mine i've you know i've had it had really i've had some very successful results there and i've uh, had some less than successful results and i'm it's Mm. kind of what i was really hoping to be able to go back to and race this year um, and kind of, you know, come back from what was not a great result last year. And hopefully, hopefully things are back to normal next year so I can go back and do it again. (laughs) Well, sheesh, with your world records that you set and all of the great performance this year, I don't know if normal is a good thing. seems like for you, perhaps the you know, when it's not normal, it's even better. <laughs> Breaking all kinds of records. Last question here in the sprint round, Jen. When you think of ultra cycling, who pops into your mind? Uh, I guess I think the first name that came to my mind was Shauna Hogan. She's a, the queen of ultra cycling. 
Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Well, thanks, Jen. Nice to get to know you in a fun way. I do want to get, of course, to your world records, which you recently set. Now, what were the dates um, of that 24-hour uh, ride that you did? I started um, 9 a.m. on November 7th and finished at 9 a.m. on November 8th. Actually, I guess 9.06 a.m. is when I stopped riding. Wow. Just had to throw in a few bonus minutes there. Yeah. <laughs> and well done. I love this graphic that you have on Facebook. Thanks. So you hold these road records. Let's see how many are there? Two, four, six, eight. Eight yep. world records. Wow, amazing. All within a 24-hour time frame. So from the 100 kilometer all the way to 300 miles in terms of distance records and then the six-hour record. Right. So very impressive. For those who maybe aren't familiar with all these kinds of distances, perhaps they may be familiar with the one, two, and 300 miles, and especially the 100 mile, five hours, 17 minutes. So that's, that's a fast time, even just for a, a century on its own, let alone riding for another several hundred miles after that. And of course, for those who are familiar in the California with the double centuries, 200 miles, 11 hours, 14 minutes, that's also a very fast time as well. So you weren't riding at a leisurely pace at all, even from the get-go. Tell me a bit about your pacing. I mean, what were you planning to do going into this record attempt? And then how did everything actually end up panning out? Uh, so I guess I, I was ba basing my effort on, uh, on my power. I was definitely not concerned at all about, I don't even think I was I don't even think I had speed on my screen to look at as a, a metric. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I knew that I knew the speed I needed to maintain to break the record, which uh, for the, the only number I was focused on was the, the 24 hour record, which was 439 miles. Mm. Um, and I knew, I think I needed to average about 18.3 miles per hour for that. Mm. Um, in my training, I had been on the, on the course, I had been with, you know, a pretty deep, you know, kind of my race effort was, uh, averaging over 20 miles per hour. So I, I, you know, taking into account, you know, hopefully minimal rest breaks, I figured it was not going to be a problem to break the effort. And I was even hoping that it would be, you know, you know, I was even trying to, you know, see if I could hit that 500 mile mark in the 24 hours. But, um, as anyone who followed the, uh, the record uh, report and the, the journey knows it, the weather did not work in my favor. And I was out uh, in some pretty, pretty severe winds of, I think, you know, steady winds of like, you know, 17, 20 miles per hour gusts of up to 50 miles per hour. Wow. Um, so we knew going in, uh, in the last day or two with the, that weather forecast, uh, that uh, it was going to be, it was going to be a challenge. And uh, my, my main focus was just to um, not worry so much about the speed, just to um, keep my effort right where I was at. And, you know, I was kind of an autopilot because I'd been done so many training rides on that, that course uh, at, at a steady effort. So, um, you know, just from the, the outset, I just kind of settled into my, my effort uh, race effort and, stayed there for a good 10 to 12 hours, I think. And then, um, you know, as I guess would be expected, power kind of started to drop a little bit. 
Um, and yeah, from that picture, you could see there was some rain as well. And um, I remember, I didn't, I guess I didn't think about it as much. The rain didn't bother me so much as the wind, but um, you know, it wasn't raining the entire time. It maybe a, f- a few hours, but I was listening to um, your conversation with Marco after his record and, um, you know, heard him talking about how, you know, the corners had, you know, you had to slow down when it was wet or it slowed him down a little bit. And I thought like, yeah, you know, it's for most of the night, you know, we got most of the time that it would rain a little bit and it would dry up because the sun was still out Mm -hmm. during the day. But then we got this, this huge downpour after dark and, and the roads, you didn't really dry up through the night. So they were, they were wet almost all night. And I'm thinking, yeah, I really did have Mm -hmm. to take, you know, those turns pretty, you know, more conservatively than I would have had the, the roads been dry. And that probably cost me, you know, some time, probably not world record, you know, another, I guess, 30 miles that I needed type of time, but definitely, definitely cost me a little time. I think it was, it was more the wind that, uh, that slowed me down more than anything. Yeah. And for all those cyclists watching, of course, they'll be able to relate. The wind can really slow you down a lot. Mm-hmm. And, it's amazing that you had to deal with those conditions. Now, of course, you are familiar with those adverse conditions, having done the race across the West, having battled the heat of Arizona, mm-hmm. and perhaps even rain or hail storms going through there. And of course, the altitude as you get into Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so I guess this really does help in terms of building you up in terms of physical and mental stamina for something like the race across America, where, you know, although some may uh, decide to forego uh, the ride on this day, knowing what the forecast was in the race across America, you don't have a choice. really. I mean, you can't sleep, I suppose, in the RV for a few hours, but (laughs) the end of the day, eventually you'll have to get going again. And, and you did mention the, the curves. And I, mm-hmm. I found this nice photo yeah. and it seems like you just have an incredible crew that was mm-hmm. even out there beforehand sweeping them for you for safety. That's incredible. Tell yeah, me a bit was, about your crew. I had a great crew. Um, we had, I, I had close to 20 people out there. Um, three of them were officials. Um, mm-hmm. My head official, Mark was, you know, he was committed to making sure that He's like, yeah, it's my responsibility to make sure the conditions are as safe as possible. So he came out there the day before with um, the two guys, uh, Eric and my, my friend Pat, who, who showed up out there. Um, and they were, they were sweeping, sweeping the corners. And, and even during the event, I, did, I don't even think I noticed or realized until uh, after. But, you know, the wind was blowing so much, you know, debris across the roads that, you know, mm-hmm. he was even sending people out, you know, in the, in the rain and the the wind to, to keep sweeping the, some of the debris off the roads. Um, Amazing. And, and is this, and, is this some of your crew right here? That's about maybe half of the crew. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was right after, as we finished, everyone else was kind of scattered around. Uh, some people had kind of gone, gone back to there to get some sleep. And uh, some people were off getting breakfast ready. Nice. Wow. It really takes a, teamwork to make the dream work and oh yeah it's amazing i think not just your ability to get to the start line of this record attempt but also being able to assemble such a team i'm sure of diverse skill sets to be able to help you in everything that is required in a 24-hour ride which again perhaps especially non-cyclists or at least non-ultra cyclists they may take for granted and not realize what it does take to pull off something like this it is more than just biking 
and, and sitting on the seat and turning the pedals for a while. Oh, yeah. And I have another great photo that I saw on Facebook here of uh, your crew hard at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, very nice operation. You would think there is an actual bicycle event going on out there with, <laughs> with more than one person. So very well done. Tell me about how you assembled the team and how you even figured out um, who, to, who to bring out there and how that all worked out. Um, I, you know, when I first, I, I decided as soon as the, this whole, the, the decision to do the, the world record started when they canceled the uh, Brago Springs time trial. And uh, I already ha- kind of had that idea knowing it would probably be canceled. So as soon as it was, I started said, okay, I've got to, let's start planning this. You know, I've got a month or so to, to plan this. And um, I just, I think I just, I just put out some posts on Facebook, uh, social media. Hey, let me know if you're interested. And I got this, yeah, I was thinking, okay, if I can get like six crew members and, uh, you know, get a couple people to officiate, I I'm good. But, Mm. you know, I had this overwhelming number of people, you know, responding and wanting to come out and support and, you know, as, it, as we kind of started the planning process, like, okay, it'll be nice to have this many, you know, I have a few people in this, the follow vehicle, have, you know, mm-hmm. plenty of officials and people to, you know, help get food ready for the crew and people to stand at a stop sign and be at Christmas circle to kind of, you know, so yeah, it definitely took pressure, put people in shifts so that not everyone's having to go, st- you know, 24 hours straight. So, mm. um, so yeah, I just, I just had a ton of people. I didn't, I don't think I really turned anybody away, but just, hmm. you know, anyone that came and was on board and wanted to, to be a part of it, they, they were. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, Jen. Uh, it's a good skill to have all the logistics because as you already know from doing the race across the West and, with your aspirations to do the race across America. Of course, that is a vital part as um, Marco likes to say, and others, uh, Christoph Strasser's famous words that, you know, it takes uh, 33% of both physical, 33% of mental strength and training, but also 33% of the crew. And although the crew can't win the race for you, they could definitely lose it. Absolutely. And so it is a it is a whole nother skill that you have to learn to be able to put together the dream team to make things happen. Now I really love the shirts. Tell me about about that. It's an interesting uh, <laughs> uh, face here, uh-huh. uh, and it says it's fine. Yep. So that it kind of started before I was even doing the ultra cycling stuff. Um, just with some some friends, it was kind of an inside joke that you know, it, it was just our way of, uh, I guess, deflecting when, when something was going wrong and we would just say, oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then as a way of kind of expressing that, like in text and social media and it's like, well, we got to assign like some emoji to, to it's fine so that we, mm-hmm. you know, can kind of like a, a shorthand, I guess. And we decided on the, the neutral emoji. Um, and then it, kind of you know the first first ultra cycling the big event i did in in 2017 the time trial we used those shirts and uh it just kind of became a i guess a you know something i i had as kind of a my slogan and a Hmm. uh yeah that became recognizable so i just stuck with it yeah it's really cool i also see it here in this photo this Uh is the finish line of the race across the west yeah I see your crew even holding up paddles of that emoji. Yep, 
Yep, I have a few signs. I uh, really have yeah. committed to that. But of course, on your face, you very much have a big happy <laughs> smile. <laughs> That's so cool. What a great achievement. But getting back to the 24-hour record. So, I mean, you had to battle some adverse conditions. Now, from my understanding with the world record, you know, working with the World Ultra Cycling Association and, of course, the um, people that who will uh, officiate that for you, um, there is some wiggle room to be able mm -hmm. to do it on a different date. Tell me about your thought process behind that. I mean, was it just a logistical uh, issue and it was going to be, you know, just um, more work than, than you would like to change the date? Or what exactly was your thought process? Um, I was glancing at the forecast to see if it really would have made, number one, if it really would have made a difference to start, you know, a day later or a day earlier. Um, but even if it, and, and I don't think it would have, because I mean, if anything, if I could have started on Friday morning, it, it may have, you know, it, it, it I wouldn't have probably had the rain. Um, and I, it might've been a little calmer during the day. It still got really windy Friday night. I don't think it would have made any difference Sunday. Sunday was, I think just as bad as Saturday. Um, but the, the thing, what it came down to really was uh, most of my crew could not get out there until Friday afternoon or evening or even Saturday mm -hmm. morning. So it just, I wouldn't have had the the support on uh, if I had chosen to move it up a day. And if, even if I'd been able to move it back a day, a lot of people needed to be back at work on Monday. Oh yeah. Yeah. The challenges of life. Yeah. I mean, even with something like raw or Ram, I mean, being able to assemble a crew of even five people or 10 people mm -hmm. and for them to commit to a week to two, that's that's a big undertaking in itself. So I, I suppose all, all good experience, but I think more than anything, it just goes to show the kind of person that you are. And it speaks volumes about the the grit that you have to be able to push through with this record attempt in probably some of the worst conditions that you could uh, <laughs> yeah. encounter. Yeah, I especially trained through with the a... Trained through a lot of conditions. I did not, uh, didn't have to train through any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, big, a lot of kudos to you for that. And of course, you did mention Shauna Hogan <laughs> earlier and you, you uh, did crew for her before, but it looks like this photo is probably from the World uh, Time Trial Championships in Borrego, yeah. I see from the medal. And of course, uh, Shauna uh, is a participant there uh, many times as well. And so I'm sure even going across America with her and being able to witness everything uh, that she was going through uh, really prepared you as well. And so I could just imagine with your record uh, setting uh, just recently, uh, would you say that in some ways you kind of embraced uh, those adverse conditions and just in your mind thinking like, man, this is really great preparation for other things that I have uh, in my future? I absolutely did uh, think that during, yeah, there was, a, I remember probably several moments, but even one specifically, uh, you know, I, I am registered for Ram 2021 and hopefully that's, that ends up happening. Um, I was supposed to do it this year and it got canceled. Um, but yeah, when it was, it was dark, it was just after dark and it, it started raining as you know, harder than it had all day. And I'm, and it's cold and, temperature starting to drop and I'm just like, you know, kind of marveling at, okay, you know, how did I, how did I get this kind of luck for, you know, of all the days? And, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just kind of said, you know what, it's, this is, you know, 
it's really tempting to just say, you know, why am I doing this? I already broke some records. I don't see myself breaking the 24 hour record. You know, why am I still doing this? And I realize Mm. it's because I'm training for Ram. You know, I, if, if I, Mm. if I stop, you know, I can't stop if I'm in Ram, like you said, maybe stop for an hour to let it pass. But same time it's you know i have to ride through this in ram this is this is my training <laughs> Jeez, definitely a champion's mindset there and i'm sure you'll do very well of course you've proven yourself in winning first overall in the race across the west which is a huge mm-hmm. achievement in itself so of course this is just adding to that experience which will help you to be extremely successful in ram we can't wait to cheer you on and really do hope that it is still on for next year and all fingers crossed there it'll be really fun to watch you race and i remember watching you just last year in the race across the west and it was very exciting to see uh, you out there in the front and of course you did win first overall Mm-hmm. I, I love this photo here. I mean, many people who have done Ram or even double centuries in the area, the Borrego a double century, Oceanside double century, they'll be familiar with these kinds of roads here in the, the low desert of Borrego. And mm-hmm. this is kind of what you were looking at all, yeah. all day for 24 hours. And um, yeah, no, nothing very glamorous here. So tell me about what you were thinking about through this whole time. I mean, other than the parts where it was raining and the winds were howling and you were perhaps cursing under your breath, <laughs> what else keeps you busy in your mind while you're doing something like this? Um, yeah, people ask me that a lot. I just, uh, I mean, sometimes my mind wanders, but um, for the most part, I'm just trying to, I really do just focus on, okay, is my effort where it's supposed to be? Am I you know, am I riding on my race pace? I'll, you know, sometimes kind of focus on my breathing, um, you know, just, uh, almost meditating at times, kind of, you know, doing body scans and, um, you know, just, uh, focusing on the effort. And I mean, something like Ram it's, you know, for days at a time, you do kind of need the distractions, but, but for the 24 hours, I was really trying to just stay, you know, okay, I need to kind of stay dialed in for, for 24 hours straight as much as, as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I must say in just chatting with you, Jen, you definitely have a very disciplined approach to everything that you do earlier. You were talking about nutrition and amazing how mm-hmm. disciplined you are there. I would say you might be the first <laughs> of all of our guests who have said such an answer. Even some of the top guys have always <laughs> mentioned pizza or pasta or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, pasta isn't, I wouldn't say the, the, yeah. the most unhealthy or anything like that and could be very nutritious and, and delicious as well. But it's, it's very cool to see how you've embraced this mindset. And of course, it, it just it goes to show now and it makes sense why you were so successful at the 24-hour World Time Trial Championships, of course, first in the female division there mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And then, of course, first place overall in Raw. And it's, so it's a very nice to learn about who you are and how your mind ticks. Now, I'd, we, we showed some of the kind of stereotypical desert there. Now, here's Christmas Circle very popular for those who ride in the area or who have done raw or ram and probably some of the only green that you'll see for yeah. <laughs> hundreds of miles out there also. Now I did pull up and for those who don't know, I mean, it's a very large circle. We can't even see yeah. the outer circumference on either side, but I did pull up on a uh, Google map also. So if we look at a map of the U S of course, Southern California, let's see here. 
Let me search to go there faster. There we go. So for those who are familiar with Raw or Ram, you start in Oceanside all the way here, Pacific Ocean, and you ride inland to eventually descend what they call the glass elevator of Montezuma Valley Road down there. Nice descent. Although halfway down during the midsummer, it feels like you're entering a convection oven. Yes, it does. <laughs> and then, let's see. There's Christmas Circle. You pass through the little town of Borrego Springs. And at the one, I guess that's like the center, really. or mm -hmm. No, not really. Or Kind of. Yeah, I mean, kinda, it's yeah. Toward, the, toward the west end of town, but it's... Yeah. Yeah, kind of the, I guess, the, uh, the uh, town guess, center, if, if yeah, it's yeah. geographically the center. Yeah. yeah, and there's definitely a lot of uh, different stores and, and mm -hmm. restaurants out here to eat. And so kind of just to show folks what it looks like there. And of course, in Ram, you come through here. And if I remember correctly, you actually yeah. come down this, this first exit, right? Yep. Yeah, you turn right on yeah. the Springs Road towards, uh, yep. towards Brawley. Yep. Onto that long desert road. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how does it feel to how how did it feel to ride out there? I mean, I was fine even doing the Brago double century out there. It feels kind of lonely and desolate out there and yeah. not a whole lot going on. Now you were there, you had a nice big crew. But also, I mean, did it bring any memories back of of Raw and and any kind of um, excitement for doing the race across America and knowing that you'll be back out there again? Um, a little bit. Uh, I think mainly I just think about um, the time trial out there just because I'm doing that loop over and over again. Hmm. I wasn't doing the same, same loop as the, for the time trial, but I, yeah, I've just spent so many, cause I'm, I'm about an hour and a half or so drive from there. I, I train out there a lot uh, when I am getting ready for the time trial. Um, so it's, yeah, I just, I don't, I kind of like the, the kind of more deserted roads. And it's, even though it's not that, you know, it's not, not a lot of interesting stuff to see. I kind of, when I'm, I'm in the mindset of training for these uh, the time trials and the, you know, these loops, it's, I kind of just get into the, I almost embrace the kind of monotony. It's like, I know it's around every turn and I kind of just broke the the loop into segments. And so I was just, yeah, just thinking about all the training rides I'd done out there. And I, you know, focus on the next landmark. And hmm. so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I think too much about raw and Ram as I, I go through there, hmm. but it cool. is, yeah, it, but it is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the ability to stay focused Yeah. and that is also important to get all the distractions out. Now I'm wondering what was the loop? So you did go through Christmas mm -hmm. circle, uh, w which direction did you head after that? So I went, I did a clockwise loop. Um, so out of, started at Christmas circle and headed North, mm -hmm. oh, um, okay. out of, uh, so opposite direction is the raw route, Ram yeah, route yeah, would go, yeah. um, and followed the, the time trial course route, which yeah, yeah. goes North, uh, past all the sculptures, right, right, um, right. and then makes a right that it looks like a sharp right turn. And I guess it kind of is, but you know, that, yeah. that was the corner that those guys were, we're uh, brushing off and then it does that little kind of S turn there at yeah. uh, the quick, quick, right, quick left at the end of that road. It's, I think it's the same road, Henderson Canyon right. Valley or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then make that 
first right turn there at Borrego, I think it's Borrego Canyon. Yep. Head south and back towards town. And then when you get to Palm Canyon, which is kind of the main road heading into town, that's where I turn right to head back. The, the 18 miles circuit for the time trial uh, would, would have kept going straight through that stop sign there and, and kind of done, done another, uh, another kind of completed the loop on the south mm -hmm. portion, but I stick with the shorter loop. So how many laps did you end up doing? Um, 41, 41 loops. Wow. Yeah. So you're definitely familiar with all the scenery out there, probably have uh -huh. it memorized. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to share this photo because, of course, uh -huh. as being part of an actual WUCA uh, record attempt, you do have to have some officials out there uh -huh. uh, tracking certain metrics to be able to provide in the report so that way WUCA can sanction the, the records. Tell me a bit about that aspect of the record attempt. Yeah, so that was um, my my friend, my head official, Mark, took that picture from inside his van. And I, to my knowledge, I think he just was sitting in the van for almost the entire 24 hours, um, <laughs> just recording uh, the splits of every lap. And mm. um, I think taking information from the um, the official, there has to be also be an official in the car with eyes on me in the entire time. Um, so I had two people rotating out of the uh, out of the car every six hours, and um, so they were communicating with each other when I, I think when I hit certain points on the the course, and um, you know, so he just he had to. I think he had originally planned to to use stopwatch, like 24 different stopwatches or something like that. To, and then he realized there was like an app on the iPad where he could just kind of hit a button every time I went through. And oh, cool. um, so, yeah, so he was busy. Apparently, you know, for him, it was, you know, he'd spend a few minutes after every time I passed through having to do some calculations and jotting numbers down and, and then have a few minutes to, to kind of be ready for me to come through the next time. So he kept him busy and um, but also gave him little breaks here and there. Yeah, pretty incredible. Amazing how, you know, even for one would think just uh, one full days of a ride, you wouldn't mm -hmm. have, you know, that many moving parts, but oh, yeah. there are. And I saw a post on Facebook as well that you, you did have at least one flat tire in this uh, mm -hmm. record attempt, right? Tell me about yep. that situation. Yeah, so that was, uh, it was probably, it was, a I think it was less than 12 hours in. Um, a little less than halfway through. I, it wasn't too surprising given all the, the rain and wind brushing stuff across the roads that some the flat would have happened. But mm. yeah, I just, I was riding, I was maybe a mile or so north of uh, the, the Christmas circle when I started to feel the, the, you know, my front tire getting a little, you know, some bumpiness and mm. uh, said, oh, yeah, hold on. I think I might be, have a flat here. And sure enough, it was, it wasn't completely flat. It was, but it was definitely going very low. So the plan had been, I had the, um, I was on my time trial bike, the, my, my Cannondale, my aero road bike was, um, on the back of the vehicle. We just, uh, switched out bikes as quickly as we could. And I got on that bike and did, did finish the loop on that bike. They dropped off the, the time trial bike when we went through Christmas circle. Uh, I did another loop on the, the road bike and then by the time I came back around, they had it, the time trial bike ready to go again and, uh, mm. and finished out. So the only, I spent maybe 45 minutes on the, the road bike. The rest of it was on the, the TT bike. 
Cool. Wow. Well-oiled machine for sure. Yeah, and that sure. is important. I mean, all the off, off bike time, especially for a, a time trial like this is very important. So it sounds oh, like yeah. you were able to recover very quickly from that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you were able to, but it does remind me of a previous episode not too long ago with Stanko Verstoshek. He mm-hmm. actually recently set the new 24-hour world record for men, previously held by Christoph Strausser. And it, you wouldn't believe, but this time trial bike that Stanko was riding was the only bike he had there. Oh, wow. And his belief and philosophy was that he had to be fast. And the only way he could be fast is to ride on that bike. And so he didn't even bother bringing another one. Oh, wow. But I know next year he plans yeah. to attempt, um, I believe, the 24-hour outdoor track uh, okay. division or category rather of the record. And so perhaps after watching this episode, he may reconsider having a second bike. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of details to consider. Now for the race across America, that's, I guess, coming up quickly. So I suppose this was a good test also. And I guess even the 24-hour virtual that you're going to do soon are great tests of your fitness, both physically and mentally. I'm wondering, how, how are you feeling about all that? I mean, you were planning to do it this year, so I, I'd imagine you were already training beforehand? Yeah, yeah, I was training training for Race Across America right up until the day it got canceled, uh, which was, uh, was that, that was uh, end of March, I believe. Wow. Um, and then I shifted focus to getting ready for Borrego Springs and, um, you know, spent the summer getting ready for that. So I was, uh, you know, it was, it would have been a huge blow to have had that race canceled and not had something to, to kind of go as a backup plan to, you know, do something with all that training I'd, I'd been doing. Man, that that's amazing. Can't believe it. How long was your training plan leading up to that day where you, where you realize, okay, Ram isn't on anymore. Um, I, I mean, I I guess I've been training, you know, building up to it since, I I guess since, uh, since probably I I won the the time trial in 2018, um, you know, there'd been some amount, you know, I maybe recovered from that a little bit, but, um, you know, that's after, after recovering from that, I went into training for raw and, um, you know, everything from from the, you know, and then recover from that. It's, so it's just been a long couple of year build really, um, not, not necessarily constantly, uh, you know, linearly getting, doing more and more miles, but, um, yeah, it's been, I've been training pretty consistently for all that time. Mm. Yeah. That's great to hear. And again, especially through the pandemic, being able to do all that mm-hmm. training and pull off something like some world records, that's pretty impressive as well. Shows the level of commitment that you do have for mm-hmm. ultra cycling. Now, you know, when you were training for the race across America um, previously, and even now as you continue to train, are you training with a coach? Yes. Oh, okay. Very cool. And in the latter days of your training, what, what was the, the mileage, uh, the volume of miles that you were riding in your training to give folks an understanding of how much training you were doing? Um, I've probably average, I have actually ridden, I've ridden over 16,000 miles this year in 2020. Um, so I think I'm, I'm averaging over the course of the year uh, around 300 miles a week. Um, when, 
I was building up towards the world record attempt. I think the last four weeks of, of training block, I had over 400 miles a week. Um, you know, a lot of very flat and fast miles, 400 miles, but, um, but yeah, I was, I was going, you know, 20, 25 hours a week that I was spending on the bike. Amazing. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Glad you were able to use that fitness for something yeah. uh, incredible. Of course, now you do have some older records to your name and a whole set of them. Mm-hmm. And so as you continue to train, I suppose you, you'll just have to rinse and repeat again and hope that everything works out for June, 2021. What else is on your bucket list outside of doing the race across America? Um, I'm hoping to, I'm actually, I think just pretty quick here, trying to get the, the wheels in motion to um, do, go out back out probably to, to do the same loop in most likely February to uh, have a go at the, um, the distance records for uh, 500 miles and a thousand kilometers. Hmm. Um, and, and possibly, uh, hit the, the, the 24 hour record in the process. Um, you know, and there, there is no current record in the books for the 500 mile or the thousand K. So it would just be going the distance. Although I've been told that there might be at least one other person out there with their eye on those records. So hmm. I definitely want to be, uh, putting the bar as high as possible. Amazing. So no slowing down for Jen or that's just amazing. <laughs> Tell me about what motivates you. I mean, how do you stay so, you know, enthusiastic, passionate and excited and, you know, driven to go from one thing to the next? I mean, it's only been several years since you've been Uh an ultra cyclist and in such a short amount of time, you've done some pretty incredible things. I mean, I think just even one of those achievements in in a cyclist career would be enough. And you've done a whole handful of them already. What motivates you? Um, I, I think the, the, at the top of my, my list of, you know, things that I'm always thinking about is for the last, uh, I guess almost three years, I've, my big goal has been to finish solo Ram. Hmm. So, um, I'm always, that's yeah, kind of always on the forefront of, you know, that, of my motivation. And then what I think about a lot in the training, and even when I was, you know, when I was out there in the conditions for the record, um, I just, I think about all the people that, um, have, have supported me that have contacted me to tell, tell me that, you know, I, I inspire them and, you know, how many people are looking at me, um, and, and how I just, you know, you know, I, I'm doing this for, for all those people that, uh, you know, have, have, have been supporting me all this time or that just, you know, think what I'm doing is, you know, helping inspire them. Hmm. That's pretty amazing using your ultra cycling and quite frankly, your life as a platform for inspiring others to reach perhaps for their own dreams and goals. And talking about that, I see at least two photos here, this one and this one here. Tell Mm -hmm. me about who this gentleman is. That is, um, that's Paul Cornish. Uh, He was one of my uh, mentors uh, in ultra cycling, he held the, uh, the transcontinental world record for a few years that he set in 1973 oh. before it was broken by John Marino. Mm. And, um, I got to know him, uh, about seven years ago when I was training for my first Ironman, um, mm. 
met him through a good friend of mine. And in the last few years, um, we, you know, we spent a lot of time riding together. He, it was before I got into to ultra cycling that we, we were doing a lot of riding together. Uh, he unfortunately was uh, killed in uh, while riding his bike in 2017. Um, and it was just in the, the month or so after he passed away that I decided to sign up for the, um, the 24 hour time trial. And, um, you know, kind of did that and, and it done most of my rides in his memory, you know, and, um, you know, I always, always think about him. I, I think about him on virtually every ride I do. Um, and definitely, mm -hmm. you know, is, um, I have a you know bracelet with his name on it and a wristband and, you know, his, his quote, bicycles have no walls was on the back of my, my cruise t-shirts and on my Jersey. Oh, wow. That's um, so cool. So. That's really awesome. Yeah, very special memories and a very special person. Thanks for sharing those stories. Yeah. Well, what would you say is, uh, you know, one or two things that you've learned most from your time in knowing him and having him there as a mentor for you? Um, you know, I just, I, he, I just think of all the, you know, I, I think of his big, yeah, he, he claimed to not be a people person, but, you know, he mm -hmm. loved talking to, you know, he would chat up, you know, um, you know, anyone on a ride, it was more when he was off the bike that he was, he was a little more, more reclusive, but, um, yeah, I, sometimes I just imagine that, you know, his big smile, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, how, how excited he'd be, you know, mm. thinking about what I was doing right now. And, um, you know, he mm. used to have these, these Facebook posts that he would go on and on about, you know, something he saw or something he heard and, you know, how much he'd be rambling on about, you know, how proud he was of me and, yeah. So I, I think about him a lot. Yeah. That's, that's awesome that you're able to have people like that in your mind through all these grueling attempts mm -hmm. and rides. And tell me about this person. And that's my coach, Rachel Goyette. Ah, very cool. Uh, she was on my, she was, she's been on my crew for a few races and uh, mm -hmm. she's been coaching me uh, for three years now. So uh, mm -hmm. since, uh, after my first ultra side, I didn't, I wasn't coached until, um, early 2018. I was, I was training for iron, an Ironman at the time, um, before I, um, kind of shifted focus over to, to ultra cycling. I already done the 2017 time trial and qualified for solo Ram. And she's, you know, had primarily been coaching triathletes and in, in runners and, um, but she's had, you know, definitely some cycling experience herself. And she, uh, puts a lot of work into her, her coaching business and does, uh, you know, a lot of research and stays current. And she was, you know, I knew that if I asked her to, you know, work on my ultra cycling that she would, uh, you know, she would really, you know, put some effort into, you know, figuring, you know, figuring out how to train an ultra cyclist. And she did obviously, and has had some, we've had some great results together. Oh yeah. And of course, big smiles in that photo. And uh -huh. I'm sure she's very proud of all that you two have accomplished together, which is so cool when you can celebrate these victories. I think as part of, you know, ultra cycling with your crew, with your coaches, with friends and family, there's so many people that support us and it really makes it special because we know we're not just riding for ourselves. And I think yeah. that's a, that's a big thing. And of course, uh, we've seen here today in all the photos and your stories that there's a lot of folks that 
support you and believe in you. And so I'm sure that'll keep you fueled and going in those dark moments of the race across America. Yeah. And, you know, we, we recently had a, an interview with Dex Took. Many of you know him. Yeah. An ultra cycling veteran and enthusiast of the sport. And he was talking about that in our episode about those dark moments. And, oh, yeah. you know, there's always a thousand reasons to not keep going and you just have to find that one. But from what I could tell, it looks like you have several dozen reasons at least to yeah. keep going and friendly <laughs> faces to keep you strong. Now back to training, Jen, tell me what a, a week looks like for you and perhaps what is a workout that you, you dread to do and perhaps a, another one that you like doing? Um, so typically I would, I probably have, uh, usually Monday is either a rest day or an easy day since my weekends are usually long, mm. long rides. Um, on Tuesday, probably typically just kind of a easier, you know, it's either a pretty easy ride or just a, a steady, you know, kind of lower, lower end effort, um, to kind of ease back into things. And then by Wednesday or Thursday, maybe doing some, uh, tempo, uh, harder efforts or intervals, um, then usually another easy day Friday to kind of get ready for the weekend. And then, you know, some, some longer efforts, um, sometimes with some intervals thrown in there on Saturday. And, uh, I think Sundays when I am it's usually just kind of a steady effort, but still kind of a long ride. Uh, that would be a typical week, especially the last, last month or two leading into Borrego. Um, I, I kind of, I, I enjoy the long rides um, and just kind of getting into that, that steady effort and, and, you know, trying to maintain it and, you know, get to the end of, you know, it's usually starting out kind of, okay, pace myself uh, for the first couple hours. And then, you know, by the last hour, it's, it's really, I'm really pushing it to maintain that. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I enjoy kind of the long adventure days of, you know, just lately it's just been doing loops somewhere, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, those long rides are fun. And then, um, I guess one of my least favorite things to do is the FTP test. I just (laughs) trying to just go into that, uh, you know, that, um, max, you know, effort and steady effort for you. It's lately, I think we've been doing a full hour of, uh, oh, of wow. max effort. So. All right. Nice to hear. So actually yeah. doing that full 60 minutes, that that's tough. Yeah, that really yeah. is. But I suppose also for your ambitions and quite frankly, for the mental fortitude that you do have, I suppose that's the perfect tool to keep sharpening you. Yep. And so it is nice to hear again, just about your discipline when it comes to nutrition, but also with your training, you take it very seriously. Of course, you do also have a coach. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm sure you'll be very successful with RAM when it comes. Now with RAM, what what are your goals? I mean, it'll be your first RAM. So is your plan just to finish or do you actually have a certain uh, goal in mind in terms of time? I think for now, my, my goal is just to finish. I think most, most people, my coach and people who've been following me that know Ram believe that I could, I can finish well under the cutoff. Um, you know, say, you know, I think Martin Grubel, and this was a couple of years ago, I think he hmm. predicted, you know, uh, maybe 10 days. Um, so, um, yeah, wow. that, that would be great. 
but if I can just, if I can just get that finish, you know, I I'm happy. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll be cheering you on. Now I'd love to know from the race across the West, what were some of the most difficult times for you and perhaps the biggest lessons that you've learned that will carry over to the race across America that'll help you be successful there? Um, I think the lowest point for me was uh, climbing uh, through the Coconino National Forest up towards Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the middle of the second night. Um, I, I had tried to take a, a sleep break earlier in the day, um, just at the top of Yarnell grade and mm -hmm. didn't, you know, I, I was down for, I think an hour or so, but, um, I, I don't know that I really slept and, um, was, they'd already had to pull me off the road, um, at the top of, uh, Mingus mountain just before mm -hmm. they, they basically, I was kind of wavering enough that they they felt I needed to take a break before making that long descent in the dark towards uh, Jerome and to Camp Verde mm -hmm. um and uh I was just I struggle up that climb and you know I remember just uh my crew and behind me having to I, I kept stopping I, I just would you know I was looking down at the numbers and the mileage and it just you know wasn't seeing the numbers tick off and I just, I'd look up the road. It's, it's dark. And I just, and what I can see in my lights, it's just all uphill. There's no let up. And, um, I was just, I was tired. And then, and then once I did get to the top and then, uh, I actually had to shuttle across some, uh, wildfires to, uh, Lake Mary road. Hmm. Um, I, I was looking forward. Okay. I get to sit in the car for like, you know, 10 miles and get a little break without losing time. And, but the problem was once I got back on the bike, it was cold and dark and I was mm. still, you know, it was almost that rest just did me in because once you, you know, as you probably know, it's once you stop, yeah. you don't want to get going again. <laughs> so, um, so I, I ended up taking another cat nap and didn't even want to get back on the bike once they did put me on the bike. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that actually was one of those moments, my friend, I remember my, uh, I think it was Pat who, um, it may have been, I remember mean, it was Pat and Donna that were with me. And one of them, you know, said, you know, said to me like, what, you know, what would Paul tell you to do right now? And, mm. you know, like you said with Dex, it's like, sometimes it's that one, one thing that you, one reason, you know, all the reasons you have to quit, mm. but find that one, one reason that you, you need to keep going. And, um, and even, and then another thing he said was just all the work that I, you know, thinking about all the work that I did to get there. Um, mm. You know, I couldn't, just let that all, all go because I was, I was tired. So, right. um, so that was kind of the, the dark, dark place. And then I kind of gradually started to recover from there. Um, hmm. I, I think what I learned, um, from that experience that I need to take, take with me is, um, is a little bit more, uh, I, I, you know, I think I've learned to work better with, with my crew since then. Um, in the last year, um, especially with this last crew for the, the world record um, attempt, and also the importance of the communication device, which broke down in raw uh, hmm. within the first day. And, you know, oh, that was probably another, another difficulty is that, um, you know, they weren't, you know, when I was struggling, they didn't really have a way of communicating with, you know, I, I, I was kind of disconnected from the follow vehicle, which, which makes it mm. more difficult, but, um, you know, having a more dependable communication system, which we did have during, uh, the world world record attempt, um, 
you know, I think that'll be, be crucial as the, you know, we get into the longer distances with Ram. Mm, yeah. Very vital with any team effort, all that communication. And I'm mm -hmm. curious, what system were you using for the world time uh, or rather the record? I was using the Vertex Ultra, which is now oh, the okay. official communication system for Ram. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, very, very dark moments, as you explained there. And that story, I'm sure many of those, both crew members and racers in Raw and Ram, can relate. And those are some difficult times, but you made it through, of course. And mm -hmm. not only did you finish, but you, of course, you got first overall. So I'm so glad you were able to break through that. I saw some nice photos here. I imagine it, they, they are from... Uh, the the raw um, that you did a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was that was actually when I was pre-writing the course last uh, a few months before the race, ah. um, and I, I put it in there. There there actually weren't many a ton of pictures taken during the race itself, mm. um, just because the crew got so busy and overwhelmed. But um, the, yeah, this was taken back in March 2019, and I put it in there because it's it was one of my favorite moments uh, spots on the course when you kind of drop into monument Valley, you kind of, I see that you have your background in the same, mm -hmm. this is uh, oh, yeah. as well. It's just, it's just iconic. one of the, coolest, yeah, it's just one of the iconic coolest parts of the yeah. course. Oh, most definitely. And yeah. And some, some ways, uh, some of the hottest <laughs> that you can yeah. get. And, well, do you remember if you passed through when you did raw uh, during the daytime or the evening? It was just before sunset. I was really actually oh. pretty excited that we got to go through there while it was, it was just still light out. It got dark very mm. shortly after we got through Monument Valley. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful area. I mean, it looks better in a photo when you're actually out there. Jeez. It's, uh, uh -huh. you'd rather not be there. <laughs> but the nice thing about it is it's at the tail end of, well, in this case, it, Utah, yeah. but at the tail end of the desert stretch and yeah. And uh, getting closer to the finish line of the race across the West. Now, it's very interesting that you said you actually pre-rode the course. Did you ride the entire course before? I rode the entire course um, wow. in about six and a half days. Yeah. So it was, it was more of a, nice. a tour, you know, where, uh, oh, yeah. yeah but I think that. that that is critical also, yeah. um, you know, for a lot of these multi-day events to, especially if it's, if it's your first time doing one or something like Raw or Ram, because you'd be surprised at the conditions that are out there. And if you haven't done a lot of multi-day events or journeyed all around the country or the world, it'd be tough to realize how brutal they can be. So what were your thoughts as you were riding it at a, a you know, more, uh, an easier pace than your race pace? I mean, what were your first thoughts as you were riding the entire course? Um, you mean the pre-ride? Right. Yeah. Um, I really was trying to ride it at kind of my race, what we thought would be my race effort, mm. uh, rather than kind of, I would, I, you know, the goal was not is to really treat it as kind of a recon. And, mm. um, I had, a, I had a crew of a couple people that were helping me. And, um, okay. so I actually did it. Um, you know, my time, my cumulative riding time was actually, uh, quicker than, um, you know, my ride, ride time in the actual race, because I, I really was trying to kind of keep my, my effort pretty dialed in. And yeah, I was just, I was taking mental notes. I was taking actual notes, you know, uh, mm -hmm. just so I would, you know, it really did help to uh, know that, that course beforehand. Mm. 
Now, which part was the most surprising for you or which one were you most anxious about if, if that's even the right word, you know, for the race? Um, I think trying to get through the heat uh, of the, the desert uh, mm. through like Arizona, I wasn't too concerned about, you know, I, I knew the first being from Southern California, mm. um, I, I rode the first you know, Oceanside to Borrego Springs, the first 50 miles many times uh, in the months leading up to the race. Right. Um, so I, I, I had that just, I had that down. Um, and then, you know, once you get to Borrego Springs, it's, it's usually nighttime or, or, or shortly after you go through Borrego Springs. So right. um, riding through the desert at night, it's still, it's still warm, but it's not, you know, the, the heat of the day, the sun's not bearing down on you. So mm. um so yeah, I think I was mostly concerned about getting through that, that second day in, in Arizona, getting up the climb to Yarnell and into Prescott and, mm. um, and that portion. Yeah. Something that a lot of us worry about as we're training and also racing through there and one of the most difficult places to go through. Now I'd love to go back to some of the photos that you sent mm -hmm. and just kind of hear from you a bit about each one. So see one here, a lot of people. Yeah. That's just, that's just a, that's my very first, uh, that's a 21st, 24 hour time trial in Borrego Springs in, nice. uh, 2017. So me heading out cool. to the, the start to kind of start my ultra cycling experience. Wow. I had no idea what was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I know. I guess at this point you, I mean, at this point it was a Ram on your radar. No, no. Okay. I, I knew that it was a qualifying event for Ram, Hmm. Um, and you know, it's kind of shooting just to be able to say that I had qualified for Ram, but I really yeah. didn't, didn't have any aspirations to do Ram at that point. Hmm. Interesting. And I see here on your right calf, is that a, the Iron Man <laughs> tattoo right there? That is a, a temporary tattoo. I do not oh, okay. have any tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, very cool though. All right. Here, it looks like when you got first place <laughs> yep. in the female division. Yeah, so that was uh, my first uh, win at Borrego, well, first only time I've won at Borrego Springs, a 24-hour yeah. time trial with yeah. uh, Shauna. Uh, Megan Hackenden was in second place. It was a very close race where she had the same mileage but was only like three and a half minutes behind me. Wow. And then Shauna, Shauna was in, in third. And really this is my yeah. first big you know time really winning anything like that. So mm. kind of felt a little awkward, uh, standing, <laughs> standing up there with all this attention on me. Wow. But that is so special. And it's so cool that you're able to be there on the podium with, as you said, the queen yeah. of ultra cycling, Shauna. And of course, I'm sure you're very good friends with her and you've crewed yeah. for her. And so that's mm -hmm. such a special memory to have together. Absolutely. I'm sure she, she is super excited for mm -hmm. you yep. and, and your, uh, leading up to the race across America. Now, what, what's this photo from? I see some more nighttime riding yeah, here. That was from Borrego That was from uh, the world record ride. Oh. I, one of my crew members, right there, or one of the nice. officials, I think took that photo. I just looked like a really cool picture. So I threw it in yeah. there. No, definitely. It's, it's, it is cool. And, you know, we look at some of the other photos like this one and it mm -hmm. looks like a pretty happy ride and, you know, pretty enjoyable, although folks may not realize it may be well over a hundred degrees here, even in this photo. But a lot of the times we don't see a lot of the, these ones where sun is setting, you realize, mm -hmm. wow, you know, the, the kind of the fanfare is kind of over the, you know, for the race across America, when you first start at the starting line, it's a lot of excitement, but really once the sun starts setting that first uh, night, 
then you, you, you realize really what you're getting into. And it's just that lone journey with you and mm -hmm. your crew, uh, 3,000 miles across. But this is what you have to deal with half the time in the dark. Yep. This is an awesome photo. Was this yeah. also from the, the record? From, yep, that was from the record friend of mine. Uh, looking guy. pretty happy here. So this is either <laughs> the very beginning or the very end. It was towards the beginning. Yeah, the <laughs> oh, first <okay>. few hours. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But looking slick on that bike. Very nice. That was this from the 2017 time yeah. trial. Yeah. Very cool. Serious face. That was the start line of Race Across the West um, uh, with, yeah. uh, you know, I see a, my coach Rachel and a couple crew members in there. But what was cool mm. about, about Ram and Raw is, like I said, I'm from Southern California. I live yeah. about 40 miles from the Oceanside Pier. So oh, okay. um, these are all cyclists from the valley here in Murrieta, Temecula that came out oh. to, uh, you know, kind of see me off uh at the start of raw amazing i think there were more than that and they, a lot of them escorted me down the the san Luis ray bike trail was, oh cool you know, until i jumped off of that so that is so exciting a couple the, photos from the night yeah that's the crew that, that was when we switched uh after the flat so we were you know oh. had everyone out all hands out on deck trying to switch out lights and bottles. And, um, mm. I think I'm chugging some coffee right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, get making sure we didn't waste any time getting switching bikes out. Oh yeah. Definitely looks like a NASCAR pit stop. Yeah. Sure. Here. Mm -hmm. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> that is Tom and Elizabeth Guevara. Ah, yes. Uh, who I, I actually, I just listened to your show with them the other day. So that's why I kind of included them. They had, yeah. uh, they had driven out to us. I, I really didn't know them. And it was actually cool being able to listen to your show with them yeah. uh, to get to know kind of their story. But they they had driven out to uh, Borrego just to kind of cheer me on. And uh, I think Tom was in the Gumby costume the entire time. I don't think wow. I ever saw him, you know, yeah. I, you know, didn't even know what he looked like under the the, the costume. But, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> he was out there trying to motivate me doing push-ups. And <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. So, yeah, amazing cool. the support you're able to get. Yeah, they live around yeah. in well in the more uh -huh. I guess central California uh -huh. Fresno area, and she said that was a long ways for them to go, but so cool that you know they were able to make it out and support you there. Yeah, definitely a great couple, and also familiar with Christmas Circle and Borrego and yeah. the time trials that they've done there as well. Of course, we saw this photo here, yep. with you and Shauna, and yeah, that was that was 2018 uh, nice. time trial when I the year I won. Wow. Very cool. Looking very fast. Yeah. I imagine you have your position dialed in to yes. a T. Yep. That's me crewing for Shauna in 2018. Mm. I think that's going up Palomar. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at the beginning of the race. Mm -hmm. That's at the end of the world record ride. So my friend Mark... He actually, he's a, he was the head official. Uh, he brought that flag. It's, you know, he was in the military. Mm. He's a veteran and was a very special flag uh, for him that he you know, carried mm. during his military career and uh, was wow. excited to kind of drape that on me at the finish and did yeah. not know about that until, you know, it happened. So um, 
Incredible. And it happened to have that rainbow come out just at the finish to kind of provide <laughs> yeah, a nice <I> backdrop. <laughs> I was going to say this is just a an, an amazing photo, definitely one deserving yeah. of being framed on on the wall. And mm -hmm. wow, super iconic and yeah, couldn't have ended in a better fashion. And of course, we saw some of your awesome crew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, here at the race across the west. Yeah. Tell me about this photo. So that's actually, that's at the very end of the 2018 uh, time trial. And it just kind of showing, I, you know, that was, uh, that was about the worst I've ever felt getting off a bike. So wow. yeah, I needed a lot of help. And huh. just cause you know, this is, uh, I really, I, I, I kind of included it both to show just that how, you know, how exhausted I was. And then also my, my really good friend, Tim, uh, who's, uh, you know, next to me there is, he was my kind of my crew chief at that event. Uh, he lives in Texas now and it's harder, you know, for him to get away to, to crew for me. But, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, he was definitely one of my, one of my big supporters and, uh, you know, it was, it was great having him. I, I really wish he could have been there for the world record. I know he would have loved to be there, but just was, uh, you know, couldn't get away from, from work and to yeah. be out there. But a lot of great memories, special memories with all the folks who love and support yeah. you. And so, Jen, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And as we close out here, I did want to show folks also on the World Ultra Cycling Association website, ultracycling.com, the records that you set are officially in the database. And folks can check that out. So very cool. And again, a very big congratulations and well-deserved. It's been an honor to chat with you and learn about you know, how your mind ticks and now it's making all kinds of sense of how you have been able to do all these records and of course the Race Across the West, the time trials and the upcoming Race Across America. So very, very well-deserved and exciting to see and follow your journey further. And here's a great photo, of yeah. course, yeah. with the welcome sign to Borrego Springs. And you'll be out there again very shortly. And, and even with your other record attempts that you said you have coming up for the 500 mile and 1,000 kilometer, that'll be very fun to follow along as well. Yeah. But as we wrap up here, Jen, I just want to know a couple things from you. And first thing is, well, I'd love to know, I mean, you've been an ultra cyclist for a few years now, so perhaps it's also still fresh for you. But what do you think most people don't realize about ultra cycling? Um. I don't think they realize, I mean, I don't think they realize that you kind of mentioned before how important the crew is and, and how much that can make or break mm. an a, event or a race. And, and, you know, that it's, it's more than just, okay, you have to do the training, which is obviously very important, but um, just all the planning logistics uh, funding uh, that, that goes on behind the scenes that you don't see um, uh, you know, if, if you're not actually in it, in, in the sport yourself. Mm, so very true. Now, how about tips for folks wanting to get started with ultra cycling, whether they're a, a, a cyclist already or not even a cyclist yeah. at all? Well, if you don't have, if you're not a cyclist, just make sure you get a bike, any bike and start riding, find some a, a big thing would be find some people who are doing the things you want to do. Um, and, you know, and get tips and, and, and advice from them. That's kind of the best way to learn. 
Um, and you know, if you're a cyclist looking to get into longer distances and ultra cycling, um, the California triple crown double centuries are a great place to start and also to meet people, uh, doing ultra cycling. Um, and then, you know, starting out with some of those smaller, you know, events like the 24 hour, even the 12, 12 hour time trial or a six hour time trial and see how you do there and kind of build, build from there. But there's, there's events, uh, hopefully there will be events soon, uh, mm. you know, everywhere that you can hopefully enter and, you know, kind of start dabbling in it. Definitely. All right, Jen, last couple questions here, sprint to the finish line, just some fun questions to end with. I'm wondering how would you rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance on a scale of one to 10, 10 being exceptional? Uh, maybe a three or four. I, I, you know, I can change a flat lube, a chain, nice, nice. do some real basic stuff, but you know, most of uh, just about everything maintenance wise, just, I take the bike to the shop. Yeah. Well, I can imagine for doing all that you do and all the miles you ride, it is important yeah. to do that. Also for reasons other than just knowing how to do all that, because you're very busy, you work full time, you're training a lot. So yeah. it is important to have that crew surrounding you, even in the training mode. Absolutely. Now, do you have another dream bicycle or do you already own them? <laughs> um, I really do love the, that system six and I've, I've, that, that speed concept I've had for a long time. It's been with me through, you know, all my Ironmans. I actually am uh, getting possibly before the next record, a, a new TT bike. And wow. hopefully that becomes my, uh, my next dream bike. So we'll see. Cool. All right. We'll stay tuned for that. All right. Last yeah. question, Jen, who would you want to nominate for a, an episode on this show? Is there a story that has inspired you or one that you just like to know more about yourself? Yeah. Um, I would actually love to hear uh, from some of like the early pioneers uh, in ultra cycling and Ram, um, you know, whether it's, you know, John, John Marino founding the original uh, great American bicycle race and which became Ram some of the original uh, finishers. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear from some of them. Yeah, no, great, great request and second nomination for that. So we'll definitely make that happen and, tell that bit of history but thanks for taking the time to share sure. some of your story i know there's a lot still ahead and it will be exciting to follow your journey but congratulations on your well-deserved records i know there's a lot coming up still and we'll be uh you know sending the tailwinds your way hopefully for the next ones <laughs> thank so you thanks a lot enjoy your week and we'll see you again very soon all right you too all right. And so everyone watching at home, definitely follow Jen's journey. I'm sure there's a lot of success up the road for her. And I can't wait to see where the road leads her next. Until next episode, everyone, keep spinning ultra.